what I did want to talk about and, and mention was the church. I, I feel like in past... What's going on, family? This is the Play Cousins Podcast. My name is Jameer, and we're going to start this one off a little differently. Now, unfortunately, uh, due to technical issues with our export of this episode, half of it was cut. Actually, a little more than half. Uh, I really don't know what happened. Still trying to get to the bottom of it. But we still had uh, a little bit of show left that we wanted to get out to you because we didn't want to hold anything back uh, with this episode. Of course, we wish we could have got the full episode, but we got a portion of it that we still want you to hear. It's an incredible uh, conversation about how us as uh, African-Americans and minorities in this country can uh, continue to stay aware and stay woke and and prosper so we give you thorough solutions in this one and i just want to apologize again for not having a full episode because it was incredible but you are still going to get uh most of this episode episode 11 entitled stay woke now uh we wanted to put this podcast out because two important things happened to me that resulted in me wanting to really push for this particular week uh, I got the chance to see The Birth of a Nation with Nate Parker. And uh, I, I got a chance to see the Ava DuVernay-directed documentary, The 13th. And both really played a part in why I wanted to put this episode out right now. I was going to hold it for a little while. But it's so important that we get our voice out there. And uh, we didn't want to hold back. So I'm going to introduce the guest. Uh, and we want to absolutely thank them for coming on. Uh, Mo, Monique from We Come From Queens, the We Come From Queens podcast. Thank you so much for, for being vulnerable and being open and sharing your experiences because you didn't have to. And uh, again, thank you for making that trek from uh, uh, Connecticut to come on the podcast. Thank you so much. And my, my friend Carlene Pinto from high school, who is frontline on the social justice movement. Um, she has been fighting uh, for a few years now. Uh, just trying to uh, give human rights back to humans. And that's the best way I can explain it. So without further ado, uh, this is uh, the Play Cousins podcast entitled Stay Woke. So, you know, hit us back with comments and feedback and we'll be back next week to, you know, entertain and have thought-provoking conversation. All right? So without further ado, stay woke. Peace. The church was a big foundation for some of the greatest civil rights movements. I mean, and not even just, you know, the Baptist church, but I mean, you had the 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 Nation of Islam, Fruits of Islam, um and all these churches and religious groups that were backing leaders consistently. It seems like the church in a lot of ways on the surface level and and you know, from gatherings, it seems like the church has been absent in a lot of these uh uh rallies and 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 uh, 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 coalitions that we've tried to bring together uh, has the church is the church failing the movement right now or, or have they just chose to separate in mass and in, in total from from the movement that's going on? I want to flip it real quick and ask y'all: Did any of y'all grow up in the church? I grew up in the church. Okay, did Relatively, you grow up in church? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I grew up in church. Did you grow up More in? Or less. Okay, 
Do any of y'all still go to church? I don't Definitely go to church not. anymore. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So of the four people that just said that they grew up in a church, only one of four is still even engaged right. in that level with their church, right? So mm-hmm. let's understand that the shift of how our culture has been, the church don't really have the power it used to have. So right. even though we have the Reverend William Barber, who's leading Moral Mondays out of North Carolina, and that brother's on fire, I had the pleasure of sitting in community with him when mm-hmm. I, I worked at Riverside Church, right? I led social justice programming out of an institution where Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu, Dalai Lama, Martin Luther King Jr., all of them gave dynamic speeches there. Fidel Castro, right? Like, we talk about movement space. But our church was falling apart and our membership was dwindling. People ain't going to the church no more. Everybody everybody has an aging congregation right now. When you mm-hmm. look at the demographics of churches right now, it's an aging demographic because there's from millennials down and some folks that are older than millennials, they not in the church. A couple of reasons. I'm not going to say that the that the church leadership has been absent in the movement because they've been there, but mm-hmm. you haven't really seen them because there hasn't been thousands of people behind them because they don't got the leadership that they use. They don't have the platform right. through their leadership that they used to have. The issue is that the churches, one, are not speaking to people. They're not speaking to us. They're not speaking about our concerns, and they're not weighing in in a way where we can see that it's genuine, right? If we know that we have all these different issues impacting people that are our age, we're the highest educated generation that we've that this country has ever seen, but ain't nobody trying to open up some more space to give us jobs. Like, you know, all these different things, they're not talking to us, so we're not going to go there. Beyond that, the bureaucracy of organized religion has also been eternal for a lot of people that I've done like little polling groups with, and and I don't go to organ I don't go to church because I grew up in the Catholic Church, right? And my church on Court Street in downtown Brooklyn, where I grew up, you know, they had a priest there that had been molesting a girl that was in my CCD class. Mm. They didn't say anything. They transferred him to a church in Harlem. He got caught in Harlem, and then. You know, um, all of a sudden there was news trucks out by us. And we're like, what happened? I'm 13. My mother had to sit me down and have a conversation whether or not the, that priest was touching me. I'm even surprised that I even worked in organized religion after that. But, you know, when I talk about interfaith cl- clergy and leaders, they need to do a better job at speaking to us, right? Us. Mm-hmm. And they need to do a better job at showing up on our issues. And unless they start to be... Uh, transparent and accountable for the ways that they haven't showed up or have done damaging things in some situations or circumstances. Let's talk about the churches that don't want to acknowledge LGBTQ folks. Absolutely. Right? Like, our generation is like, our hands are up in the air. We talking about no justice, no peace, but we also talking about freedom and equality regardless of race, religion, you know, gender, uh, how you identify, and they're not speaking to that either. Mm. So likewise, I also grew up in a Catholic church and like I used to teach... Sorry, I also grew up in a Catholic church. I used to teach Sunday school. I started a youth group and things like that. I left my church because I was trying to have a transitional group for, okay, you're coming out of high school, you're in college, maybe you stayed here, maybe you went away to college. You're coming back to your community because not everyone stays wherever they went to college. And my priest was just not having it. He just didn't want to do it. He said, well, if the kids wanted to do it, they'll create your own. I'm like, well, I'm a parishioner from the church. Like, I was born and raised, grew up here, and you don't want to support me trying to have this like supportive space in my community and things like that, that I feel like I wouldn't want my church to support anything else that I do because mm-hmm. here I'm trying to do something mm-hmm. in the community and I just wouldn't trust them helping me in any other, other sort of venture at all. And right. then situations like that is like educate, organize, mobilize. In a situation like that, you're a parishioner. If you were a key stakeholder in that church or if your family was, that was the time where, you know, there could have been a a pivot where you got a, a list and you collected 156 signatures or all the congregants that Mm. pledge money and they tithe money to the institution. That's how the institution keeps the doors open, right? Right. There's collection plates that go around. Mm. And then you say, 
our church wants this program. And then it's not about what he wants. It's about what the collective wants, right? Because often so much, so many times people our age or younger than us, they hear one no or a no from somebody that they, that they think is the end or be all and right. they don't mm-hmm. challenge it. You know, I want people to challenge authority. That's I want right. authority to be held accountable, right? If you think your community needs something, you stand up and you beat that pavement until you, you know, you see out every avenue and every strategy to get what you think you need. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, let me let me let me switch gears for a minute, cause I mean that I mean we 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 know that the the, the church has done honestly, and I'm gonna say it's some fucked up shit. I mean, it's, different it, church, right? Let's different, say different let's, let's identify that, let, right? Let me let me not because say all church, churches. The Catholic Church is out here with a lot of issues, right? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and oh, yeah. like the Riverside Church, I work for them. Amazing people that work there. Mm-hmm. I left 17 different social justice programming topics, right, and issues, right? right? And I have freedom to help mobilize, educate people. I threw a lot of money and resources into different things and I ended up with the Justice League because the church supported me to walk the 250 miles. They gave me off for nine days, right? We sat in sanctuary in that church. We organized in that church. So it's not every church, right? Yeah, let me clarify. But when churches do do bad things, Mm -hmm. their leadership needs to be held accountable and it's up to the congregation that keeps that church afloat to Mm -hmm. say, listen, Make it right, right? We right. we Christians, we we Muslims, we we're Jews. Like we gotta hold you accountable, and you gotta say what you did was wrong, so right. we can move forward together as a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me sh- uh, shift gears for a minute. Let me, Mo. Let me talk to you real quick. Um, we we go through these issues where we see uh, countless time at the time at the time at the time of black men being murdered uh, in the street, wherever cars. Countless amount of times. Mm -hmm. What's your biggest fear when you see that as a black woman and you see people, not even just men, but you see black women being murdered? Uh, What's your your biggest fear that you see uh, coming back and looking looking at the screen time and time again? What's your biggest fear? Well, I'm an extremely sensitive person, so Mm. I I completely detach, which is not always a good thing. Mm. So when the incidents were happening this week, I just, like, avoided social media. I would see just a thumbnail and be like, I don't need to be on Instagram right now. Um, What what I always, what I found myself thinking is every time these things happen is, like, I remember seeing the Eric Garner footage. Mm. And... Not that he really resembled my father, but I saw enough of my father just in in his big, just big black man. Right. And um, my father and my younger brother passed away a few years ago. Wow. And I find myself thinking, well, I'm I'm almost like happy that they died of all their own natural causes and not mm. by police force. Mm. That I don't have to see these videos if I'm just going on Facebook or social media that that's not my family mm. members. And I think it's like, it's sick that I like I have these thoughts and feelings like, well, at least they, they don't even have to go through this sort of stuff because they're already down in the ground. And mm. it's it's pretty traumatizing. Like, it breaks my heart just hearing that. And yeah. I, I like to disconnect from it because it's just it's too much. And I I work in the animation industry. I am the only black girl in my department, one of like maybe six in the company, six black people, not even women. Mm. So I go to work and it's just like, oh, I have to put on a front. I don't really have someone I can talk about, talk to this Mm. stuff about until like I come home or I talk to my mother or something. And sometimes I just I just don't even want to. So I, I see these things and it just makes me really value the black men that I do have in my life. That's from from dating, from family members, from friends and just the people that I see. And just also just like letting them, like ask them how they feel. I have a friend who's a cop in North Carolina. So mm-hmm. when I like 
distance myself with things this weekend when I actually caught wind of what was happening. I was like, oh my God, I haven't heard from him. I haven't seen him on Snapchat. I'm like calling him like, what's up? Like, how are you? And he's like, well, I'm okay. I'm going to talk to you later. And it's just like, it's nerve wracking. And I'm just like, I'm not even like, there's no romantic connection at all. But I'm just like, I can only imagine how like his fiance feels. He has like a nine month old son. I'm Mm. just like, he wanted to get out of the police force, but he's having like a hard time transitioning because of like his new, his new life. And I'm just like, it's just, it's just so much is overwhelming for me. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, you know, you totally get those. I, I get those sentiments, too. Just, you know, um, watching people that look like me being killed time and time again. What do y'all do for self-care? Because everybody has that same feeling, specifically men and women of color. Right? Yeah. You walk around with brown skin, black skin. Mm-hmm. You understand what it what it's like. What do you I think that that's something that listeners need to hear. What do yeah. you do to pull yourself back together? What do you do to keep yourself going? How do you take care of yourself? Well, me personally, I try to make uh, I try to make changes. I mean, first of all, I I express my feelings. Mm-hmm. I think platforms like this, and this is why I continue to have conversations like this and want to have conversations like this and embrace conversations like this because on platforms like this, if I have an opportunity to share how I feel, that's what I'm going to do. A few weeks ago, we had a mental health uh, episode. We just talked about our own mental health issues. That was very good. Yeah. Thank I, you. I, I, it was very good. Right. I can't thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. But, you know, spoke from the heart because talking essentially helped me get where I am mm-hmm. and it it takes the stress and, and, and the pain away when I'm able to communicate when actually and you know what not even gonna hold you from the peer conversations that we used to have mm-hmm. I learned about our messages I feel like X Y and you remember mm-hmm. those right I use that I use that to legitimately uh, change my mindset and not hold things in because I used to hold things in I used to have anger issues so when I, when I see things like this I don't necessarily automatically run the social media Right. You know, I call a group of people. We talk about this. You know, hey, did you see what, what happened on the news? That that was that was fucked up. That was fucked up. And let me tell you why it's fucked up. Because I feel like every time I see a police officer and I catch an eye glance with him, I don't know which way it's gonna mm. go. And I have no problem expressing that because I I'm fear I'm fearful to bring a child into this world. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if 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 they're gonna if they're gonna have to go through the same things that I'm going through. I'm gonna have to teach my child how to communicate with police. I'm gonna have to teach my child to say yes sir and no sir, keep their hands on the wheel, and a lot of things that we all go through that that have become norms. Mm-hmm. And I'm fearful of that. I'm fearful of my child, you know, or or my friend or family member doesn't say something that a police officer doesn't like and they get shot. I'm fearful of that. I've had guns pulled on me. I've I've been I've been searched and you know all all, all this stuff and I just I don't know how it it will turn out for the next man. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm fearful of that. So, I like to talk about things like this because a lot of people hold it in. And people suffer from PTSD, uh-huh. seeing this and seeing black people and people look like that look like them die every single day, and they don't talk about it. I was watching a documentary about Chicago and you know these fourteen year old kids suffering from PTSD, mm-hmm. crying, don't even want to cry, but man, I can't, I can't even talk about it because they've seen so many people die that it's, it lives right here, right in their heart. And they can't express themselves. So I always vowed to myself when I was a teenager, I said, I have to express myself, whether it's through comedy, whether it's through talking on the microphone, whether it's through talking to a person. I like to talk 
And then we come up with solutions. Okay, well, boom. We know what we have to do. We know we have to organize. We know that if we want to keep money in our community, we have to invest in our community. It's not about spending money on Gucci and, you know, whatever bullshit that doesn't support you. It's about putting money back in your own community. And it's about mentoring. I'm, I'm very direct on mentoring, um, talking to kids, bringing up the next generation, because essentially we're handing them the torch. And I don't want to hand the torch to them in a world that looks like this. I want to try my best to make a change. Yo, the realest part of like, like, and it's because self-care is one piece, right? Mm -hmm. But even just talking about Chicago, right? We quick oh, yeah. to call lots of things epidemics, but more people die in Chicago than men dying at war. Overseas, oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yep. And we not calling it it's an epidemic. Genocide. And people are not even engaging in the, like, there is federal legislation that can be passed on gun control and on police accountability nationally. People don't realize that we want to end the war, but as soon as we end the war, all the weaponry that we have invested in our military overseas comes back home, mm -hmm. and then it's available to local law enforcement through federal grant programs. These federal grant programs don't have real infrastructure behind them, which means that they can apply for tanks and Black Hawk choppers and, and all these crazy mass casualty weapons, your local law enforcement folks, mm -hmm. right? They get these items. The only stipulation of some of those grant programs is that they have to use it within one year. That's mm. how Ferguson happened. Those tanks were on those streets because St. Louis had weaponry through a federal grant program. Wow. And those things are tied to our civic engagement and how we engage with the process. And that we got two representatives, we got congressional representatives here in New York, we got Chuck Schumer, we got Kirsten Gillibrand. Yo, we need to hold some feet to the fire and then we need to hit up all of our brothers and sisters in different cities and states and get them to make sure that they holding people's feet to the fire because the NRA and all these other investments and groups of people that got multi-million dollar platforms and campaigns are the ones that's holding up legislation right we got we got all these deaths all these deaths black people don't make guns we don't got no investments in no gun companies but we the but black and brown people are the ones being killed by them but then we're getting incarcerated for all that you know mm -hmm. and it's a constant process of exploitation until people Absolutely. make these these correlations between foreign policy and domestic policy and local policy and how they're all tied together in this systematic way that just oppresses us and that you have to engage with the political process because that's where all the resources and all the decisions come down from, then you're going to feel helpless. Mm. You're going to feel like nothing's going to change. And I don't want people to be out here in 10 years not having kids. You're going to be a dope father, Jamia. Absolutely. Right? But you need to be out here and you need to be comfortable that mm -hmm. there's going to be a situation and a circumstance that you can trust that people that you trust trust with your to provide you courtesy professionalism professionalism and respect are going to give you that That's and unless true. people engage with that even if you see a cop doing some fucked up shit to a kid in your neighborhood call the local find out their mm -hmm. badge number call the local precinct file a complaint with the ccrb which is the community uh police review board or uh, whatever that acronym is but like there's systems of accountability that we don't even engage in right brothers get thrown up on the wall every day and they don't even pivot to file a report because mm -hmm. they're desensitized right. exactly turn back around take that passion take the leadership of colin colin kaepernick and all these other people and start to be like listen somebody else is doing something i could do something too absolutely uh, let me let me ask you you two a question because i i, I generally feel like uh, we just kind of segregate ourselves from other communities and other races trying to help us. Um, have you guys ever experienced pushback, you know, you guys being not 
black. Absolutely. You know, but you guys are trying to make significant changes in communities for us, you know, with us. You know, have you guys ever uh, experienced kick, uh, kickback? And, you know, what has it been? I mean, I've definitely, you know, um, for me right now, my first step that I'm trying to do is, like she said, educate myself before I make any any real move. I All I want to do for now is educate myself and talk about the things I know, not what I don't. And that's the biggest move I can make is at least because the biggest problem that my race, white people have, is spreading ignorance. And the and spreading ignorance just makes everything a thousand times worse, as we've seen. So my whole thing is I would like to not speak on things, not speak on things I don't know about or engage in things I don't know about and only try to absorb things while I can. Um, I'm literally getting gem and gem and gems from mm, Carlene, Carlene today. Like that's yeah. all I'm getting today is gems. And I'm, I'm trying to absorb all of it. Take, you know, taking mental notes in my head of what to do. But um, I've definitely, whenever I've tried to, engage in conversation sometimes and with groups of people i've definitely heard before we don't need your help straight mm. up just we don't need your help like um or what do you what could you possibly do to help us or you're the one we're trying to you know um you're you're the one we're trying to uh save ourselves from mm. you know they look at me like i'm you know on the side of the these um rotten police officers like the rotten eggs in the police officer mm -hmm. Uh, community so um i feel like i'm phrasing everything wrong but <laughs> I feel, I i've definitely gotten a lot of pushback from different people i've definitely gone into arguments with former friends where my races just immediately come up when it had never come up in like you know years of friendship and then that would be the argument of kind of like well you think you're helping but you're really not because like you think that you're this that and the third when it's like I don't know what else I can really do besides what I know right now to help. And I'm trying to just educate myself. And so I've definitely had a lot of resistance of, you know, people wanting me to be involved. But I've also had a lot of embrace from people who didn't think like that originally, but then had a conversation with me and were like, okay, like, you know, we would love to have you help in any way you can or, you know, help bring awareness in any way you can or use your privilege to make others aware of their own. You know, I've had people change their minds as well. So um, so there's like two things, right? One is that there's a difference between white allies and folks that are white passing, right? Mm. I've always grown up in the hood, right? I yes. grew up single mom, like struggle, 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 struggle. I was working since I was 11 years old. I was fly as hell in high school because I was working Word. three jobs, right? <laughs> at all the joints. At a Dominican hair salon, you know, <laughs> sweeping hair, doing hair, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about like resistance and things, the only kind of time that I get any pushback from folks of color is folks that aren't from here, mm. right? Because as soon as I start speaking, it's very clear that I'm from Brooklyn. 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 Absolutely. Shout out to beyond Brooklyn. Beyond that, beyond that, it's like I show up in community because this is who I am and this is what impacts me. I went to school since I'm a little kid where everybody was black and brown, right? And the idea that even my first high school boyfriend, Paris, right? Oh, wow. We got back, you know, yeah. I was cheerleader. He was on the basketball team. He's <laughs> he was black and from East Elmhurst, right? And I was Very out true. in East Elmhurst banging with all these kids, all these black kids from East Elmhurst, when mm -hmm. I, you know? And then the idea that we got back together later in life and he had a two-year-old daughter who's black. 
And now I had to challenge myself about how I show up as a stepmother, as a mentor for his daughter, who is, you know, going to be a woman of color navigating through all these injustices. So people that know me, they don't ever question me. Right. People that don't know me question me. And then people that do know me stick up. Mm. And they're like, yo, not Colleen. Uh, Beyond that, I know who I am and I know where I come from. I'm half Irish and I'm half Cuban. But my Yoruban, Santeria, like like Afro Latino culture that I know from my Cuban side is very real, right? Like La Bomba, everything that I've experienced and that I've embraced in who I am. And also even on my Irish side, understanding like, you know, cultural dynamics and even having those conversations with people on my extended side of my family. Like, listen, this is going to be my life. And whether you rock with it or not, I, I can get shot and killed tomorrow at a protest and then you'll be standing at my funeral listening to a eulogy about mm. who I was and you'll never know who I was because mm. you don't want to engage with me around these certain subjects that are uncomfortable. So, you know, it's it's just, you know, we have to learn how to embrace folks. There's a, there's a role and there's a lane for everybody and folks need to understand how people show up to the work. If you show up with good intention and if you're a white ally and you're trying to make sure you educate yourself because you're just starting to embrace like that there is a lane for you and that people need you or whether you are a Latina or if you're black and you're white passing, right? Mm. Like there's lanes and spaces for everybody. The last thing we need to do is start to create more uh, divisiveness among folks that are trying to work towards a collective solution, which is like liberation, black lives mattering, right? Things not being based on racial oppression and inequality and injustice. And like the main shit right now was like, yo, where the fuck was reparations at? Because I think about that all the time. And I think that the the national narrative that we have right now Right now, that's that's feeding this Donald Trump madness that we see is that America as a country never even built a slavery museum. Nope. Like, think about Germany without the Holocaust Museum. Right, right. They went through a long process of saying, listen, we did some wrong things. This country came from a real dark place, but we ready to move forward together. And until America has that pivotal moment, we opened up the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C. Yeah. with the Oprah Winfrey Theater, and we got all this black history and culture. But still, America has not decided that that is a part of its history because our textbooks are still telling us that Texas was Texas and Texas wasn't robbed from Mexico and Mm -hmm. that that this land wasn't the natives and we annihilated them and all the other history that, you know, we have not told. It's so important that our generation start to hold our country accountable for the country we want to live in. We got to start having those conversations. And Minister Farrakhan said something really powerful. He's like, don't nobody tell Jews to forget the Holocaust. No, sure. But every time a black person that, they bring up slavery, mm-hmm. they be like, why you can't let go of that? Right. And he says it so powerfully. And I don't agree with everything he says. But when he says that, I'm like, damn, ain't that true? Every time a black person's talking about suffrage or racial dynamics, hey, people get over are like, it. oh, get yeah. over it. You, oh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just like what? we did. And it's you like, mean the nah. bootstraps that you already, you know, uh, uh, you, you messed with that every time yeah. you try and pull them up, they you cemented. <laughs> they cemented them. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I say. For everybody listening, like, try and embrace one another. Stop creating more divisive tones. You know, coalition building is a messy kind of thing, right? I do coalition building all the time across different movement spaces. My intern was with me this morning. I got chewed up by people, and I had to stand there and be like, listen, we going to move together forward or we not, right? Mm. And peop- we need to start those conversations among ourselves, right, and in our own spaces and understand privilege and all those other things. Yeah. I know you got I know you got to run. Um, um, we're gonna we're gonna let you get out of here, but Colleen, I I so much thank you for coming and um. Just, thank you for being here and yeah, all those gems. Yeah, so many. 
for Absolutely. people that are listening, my website, I just got a I website. Was gonna ask. Uh, you know, yeah, it's I a know. Little, we all need to, let's just write little, this down. No, it's a little slow. But um, I have a landing page right now that uh, carlinpinto.com. You can link to my social media accounts. I try not to put up things that are like repetitive of what, you know, D Ray and Netta putting up. I don't put up a lot of stuff about the shootings. I put up local things, I right. put up things that people need to hear about. You know, Marisol Alcantara, one of my peoples, we just got her elected the first Latina in 12 years to sit in the New York State Senate. Wow. Right? Like, mm-hmm. these are things that I'm working on. These are things I'm doing. And, you know, my social media reflects that. If people want to engage me to speak to people, I'm all about it. Like, how can we motivate and inspire each other to get into each other's lanes? Because everybody has a purpose. And if you don't work hard on figuring out what your purpose is, somebody else is going to repurpose you. Mm. Mm. Powerful. Pauline Pinto. Hey. <laughs> No, all of y'all. Everybody got to get a round of applause because whenever whenever everybody claps, I'm like, yo, I want to clap for you. So let's go. Let's get it. Yeah. Let's get freedom. Yeah, definitely. I think we're all we're all here for the same cause. Yeah. I mean, we're all here for to to try to 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 make this world a little better every day. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, again, platforms like this, you guys want to come back and you know vent, talk, whatever. You know, we. You, this platform is here for all of us. That's why it's called Play Cousins. We all family. So um, I encourage you, just, you know, come on back when you have a chance. Listen, <laughs> I want everybody to start thinking about how they're going to show up for us, right? Yeah. In March, March, March 2017. 2017. We're going to try and pull 100,000 people to Washington, D.C. to make sure that if and when Hillary Clinton is elected, because hopefully, you know, she's the more progressive candidate of the two, mm-hmm. right? Uh, people don't have to... People can feel however they want, right? But uh, we want to make sure that she delivers on some promises that she's made on this campaign trail, which is the only thing we can do in this political process. And so right now we got 11 million people that are living undocumented in the United States because there hasn't been a single piece of immigration reform in 25 years. Mm. So what that means is that I got young people that came here when they were two years old. They ain't never been to Mexico. They ain't never been to Jamaica. They ain't never been to these places, but they're still undocumented because there's no way for them to get documented. Mm. So these are the are the and there's temporary programs that they can access that give them status for up to two years. But there's but that's not giving them citizenship and that's not allowing them to vote, although they've been here paying taxes. So we need to educate ourselves even about that, that immigrants are us. We are immigrants mm-hmm. when you think about the strife of this country oh, yeah. and that we have to make sure we the We're same people immigrants. that ain't passing gun control or the same people that ain't passing reform on climate change and immigrant justice and police accountability, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so if people got network out there, please reach out to me. We starting to collect names and figuring out how we build the fundraising. I mobilized 700 people in April to go to the Supreme Court for an immigration case that we lost. And now we trying to turn up again because we need some really far people. It's serious out here. Right, well, you know I'm going to be there in March and I, I'm definitely coming with you. So yeah. whatever you need from me, um, we'll even have you back on the show. Um, however, we can register and uh, you know, just let me know. I will be there. We will walk uh, together. You know? Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope to see everybody here, too. Yes. That's right. We got all right. Well, look, hey, we just want to go on real quick uh, before we let everybody go because we're going to take pictures and everything because, you know, this was an extremely deep episode, mm-hmm. but it definitely need to be had. Um, I just want to go around and get maybe personal solutions. Uh, what are you doing? What, what will you do little by little every day to just, you know, make this world a little bit better for you and your family and your friends? Start with Mo. Okay. Thing on a on a personal level, I think it's to open up more of a dialogue, mm. um, especially between my younger cousins. They're teenagers, very social media, Snapchat filter mm. um, consumed, 
And I've just noticed how, I guess, when we were younger, our family, our parents used to talk to us more about what was happening in the news. And it's like with them, they're like the babies and they're still being treated like that Mm -hmm. and not talking to them. And also, it's one thing to hear things from your parents, but to hear them from your siblings and older cousins, like, no, but this is going to affect you, too. Like, as soon mm-hmm. as you get into college, you're going to realize the way these loans are set up and interest huh. and things and, like, who's in charge of this and your loans are being sold to different companies and it's, like, all just, like, scamming. Um, I think it's, especially after hearing, uh, you have to say your name again. I'm sorry. Carlene. 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 Um, especially after hearing Carlene, I'm like, well, I should really speak to my cousins because I'm the funny. If I don't know if I was so educated, they definitely have no idea. These yeah. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So Carlene, little by little, I mean, you do a lot. I mean, you, you do done, a lot. You don't basically did a lot, but you know what? What? what what's on your? What's on your agenda uh, daily that you just always try to do? Uh, daily, I mean, I just try and make sure that I'm I'm showing up. I have a lot of friends that do very similar work to the work that I do. And, um, you know, I, I need to hold myself more accountable to being a support system for them. Uh, and also making sure that I'm carving out some space for my young people. Because I have a lot of young people, too, that these things that they're seeing on social media, it really mm-hmm. hits them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started to do, you know, circle, uh, spiritual cleansing circles and things in my house nice. where I'm teaching these young people about sage and all these different things to just make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't had one of those in like um, since uh, Philandro Castile and mm-hmm. Alton Sterling were killed. So it's, you know, I, I need to apply myself and work through my time management issues to try and start doing that more. Okay. Lindsay? Um, since I'm still kind of educating myself um, and trying to absorb everything that I can um, in, in, like, a very timely fashion, obviously, mm-hmm. um, I would say that my, like, more short-term solution is just constantly getting myself involved in these conversations, whether it's someone who's expressing anger towards the situation or even anger towards me because it, maybe it, may, it helps them feel a little bit better, like they're, you know, they're speaking directly to someone who they feel as though would needs to hear it. Um, whatever it might be, I just um, I think that just being part of the conversation for now is one of the biggest things that I can do. Um, being that I, I have a platform with you, thank you, Jameer. Thank you so I much. Can, all I can do is help people to help bring people to the platform and give them a voice um, that you have blessed me with, hmm. <laughs> um, and help continue to promote th- promote these conversations through things like my website and my social media. But more importantly, because you know I am. Um, I do volunteer and I do team lead in um, Harlem. You know, all I can do is, you know, protect the children that I always, um, that I get to teach soccer with and I get to sometimes do music programs with is just kind of see where their head is at and kind of regroup with them anytime I can. And it's not necessarily me that's going to be mentoring them, but helping to push them in the right direction for mentorship to, you know, be becoming the best person that they can be and helping their community in the best way possible. Absolutely. Um, I, I think me is just, you know, continue to have dialogues like this, uh, make sure that conversations like this never, uh, never go away, no matter who is in power, no matter, you know, if we're not getting shot, you know, but just it, it matters to continue to have dialogue and to keep this dialogue going and to keep bringing like-minded people together. And, um, you know, so we can... You know, we can continue to be inspired and be and be taught, you know, have, to, you know, a lot of the stuff that Colleen said, I didn't know about. Um, and it, it just pushes me forward to, again, continue to do the knowledge, continue to read. So I'm reading a whole bunch of books, uh, Black Pain by uh, Terry Williams, which I love. I'm reading it a second time. Um, the Color of Water. 
uh, uh, Malcolm. I'm still reading the autobiography of Malcolm you X. You have to read. Uh, did you read Nobody by Mark Lamont Hill? I'm reading that currently. Yeah, that was next. So I'm good. reading that as, as well. So you know, it, it's just to continue continuing to educate myself so that I can be more equipped in the line of fire. You know, when I get tough questions asked to me by 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds, you know, my cousins, my, you know, nieces and nephews, and my future children, I want to be able to be as equipped as possible to be able to provide them with information that is going to keep them uh, safe and and uh, uh, keep them grounded. So I thank you guys for being here. This was not a normal play, Cousins, but again, things like this have to, have to continue the dialogue. And I also mm-hmm. uh, want to invite you guys back up. And we'll have a more uh, uh, warm and, and fun Milk. show. Yes, and, and we'll we'll turn up and have fun. But um, on 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 the flip side of that, we have to stay aware and stay encouraged, and you know, stay united. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest. Unity thing. is fragile. We gotta we gotta take really good care of it, and we gotta mm-hmm. nourish it, and we gotta like feed that feed it what it needs to grow. Yes, mm-hmm. couldn't agree more. Let's sign out like that. Uh, love you guys. Thank you for coming. This is play cousins. We out. Peace.